Hi everyone, welcome to the KidCast. So this episode is with the lovely Natalie. So Natalie and I have known one another for quite a long time as our older siblings were friends growing up. So we have essentially grown up together. Um, But Natalie's episode with me is a little bit different to what other parents have talked about. So Natalie wouldn't mind me saying, but she is disabled and is chronically ill. So we talk about what that's like as a parent. Um, Her husband was also away for quite a lot of the early days once her little boy was born. So we talk about that as well. Um, And we just also talk about infertility because Nat wouldn't mind me saying this as well, but she suffers from endometriosis and the infertility challenges that that brings. I didn't know that that was a thing, but it's such an uh, interesting topic to listen to. It's also heartbreaking as well. So for anybody who has endometriosis, um, I do take my hat off to you. It is, it's quite a tricky, a tricky deal that you have. Um, and please don't think I'm playing that down there because you'll you'll understand when Nat and I talk. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. And once again, thank you so much for all your support. And it has been the best year of my life bringing this podcast out. So thanks once again, and I hope you enjoy. How old were you when you were diagnosed with endometriosis? I was 27 when I was diagnosed. Okay. But I was only diagnosed after my second surgery. So the first was when I was 20. And that's when it was originally missed. Oh my God. So they fitted the marina coil as a last resort when I was 20. Yeah. It was... Just before Christmas, because I was turning 21 in the January. Yeah. And we get me dressed, mate. I was all excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I knew something was wrong. I started pushing for answers. Yeah. And it had taken years to get to that point. Every pill imaginable they put you on. Yeah. And then I just used to bleed, like, through. No matter what they put me on, I'd yeah. bleed, even if you weren't meant to bleed. Yeah. So they put me, like, on the holiday tablet. You know, to kind of try and give a, bl- a break. So the last resort was surgery to see what was going on mm-hmm. and then fit the marina coil. So at that point, they said, everything look fine. Um, the marina coil will sort everything out. Off you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not the biggest fan of the marina coil. Um, yeah, understandably. I'd never, I'd say I'd never experienced depression or anything mm-hmm. until the point of the marina coil. Mm-hmm. So I remember pre-surgery, my mum was like, the marina coil is more something for people that have had children, like yeah. people a bit more experienced with life and this, that and the other. And I was like, well, this is my last resort. So either I try it mm-hmm. and it might help or I don't yeah. and I don't know. Yeah. So she didn't want me to get it. And then post getting it, it was just like, there was no reason to be unhappy. There yeah. was nothing that was particularly going wrong in my life. Or, and I remember sitting there just crying. She was like, what's the matter? I was like, I'm just not happy. And it was like this dark cloud. Yeah. But the NHS wouldn't take it out. So they, they were like, wait six months, wait nine months, wait 12 months. And they kept saying, like, your body will have to get used to this, that <sighs> and the other. Meanwhile, I'm like a demon. I wasn't the person that I was yeah. pre, pre that. So I think I'd gone private. 
story of my life. Yeah. They removed <laughs> it. And I'd say walking out of that clinic the same diet, it was like, this, this car like... Just, just broke away from me. And I was like, so I think at 20, I was like, hormones yeah. are not for me. Yeah. So my mum had been diagnosed with breast cancer in her 40s as well. So there was always that hormonal element that yeah. there were certain things I shouldn't have been on. Yeah. I didn't know. They put me on. And then someone would take me off them and say, we've been on that for like a year. Yeah. And that's increasing your risk of breast cancer by association of what your mum's gone through. So I think by the time I was 21, and I think I lasted maybe nine months with that in, mm-hmm. and I was like, no. I was in a new relationship as well. Yeah. And I'd gone from being all happy to like this hormonal mess. So 21, has it removed, and then spent the next six years fighting a medical system and fighting against myself believing that mm. this was all in my head yeah because they were telling me it was they'd gone inside there was nothing there so it was me against them which is fun it's a good place yeah, to be yeah um and I think for a long time because as well when I was 21 my mum got diagnosed with secondary cancer yeah. so at that point I think I was in university trying to get through my final year because I was mm-hmm. a year behind um, and then you've got this news so your health isn't really something that is then prioritised all I'm thinking is I need to get this work done see me mum go to work and then just yeah. be in that, that cycle um, and I think I was, I was quite poorly for a long time mm. hormonally even without something me take on something wasn't right mm-hmm. and I was just sick all the time so final year of uni I was told that I had like a placebo or a phantom pregnancy my body believed it was pregnant but it wasn't imagine trying to tell university that no I can't come to the lecture today I'm just throwing up and so I think looking back the reality of it I was so stressed out and the byproduct of that stress was coming out in one way or another. Yeah. I was so ill. I think I lost like three and a half stone. Oh my God. And I didn't have three and a half stone at that no. point to lose at all. No. Um, I think that's when I had to kind of start becoming my own advocate. But also yeah. I ignored it for years. Absolute years. Until it came to the point where I just couldn't yeah. ignore it anymore. Yeah. Um, I'd say I've got a high pain threshold and that's part of it so yeah. I will not take medication unless I have to mm-hmm. and part of the argument is it's not going to switch aside so I'd rather not yeah. be taking tic tacs here there and everywhere yeah, for yeah. it to do nothing okay. or make me a zombie yeah. um but I think it was more things I think when you get into like a relationship where I think we were engaged and you start looking towards the future yeah and I think I've always told Andrew from the offset I was told as a late teenager that I might never have children mm-hmm. I can't tell you why that's all been blanked out in, in my memory and there was no reason to but mm-hmm. that was something that was always there and I was always very mm-hmm. upfront that this is me if if something I don't know if you want children I might not be able to give that to yeah. you so yeah. you know for people that could yeah. be a deal breaker yeah. you know I want children but the be all and end all it might not happen yeah and when we started kind of not ignoring things and looking into it a bit deeper, I go back to the NHS and they go back, we've done this, we've done that, it's got nowhere. 
and I think it was a female doctor who said, if you don't get answers from the NHS, then if you can go private, yeah. I'd advise you to. And basically over a six month period, they were having me in for ultrasounds every other month and they'd be cysts on one and then the next month they'd be gone and then they'd be cysts in another place to the point they refused to stop scanning me. And they just say, it's like, it's a secular thing. So as part of your menstrual cycle, you will get cysts and they will. Is the NHS? This is NHS. And how old are you at this point? I am probably about 27. Yeah. 26 maybe. Yeah. So after the backwards and forwards, I eventually went private. And at the point I went private, I was confident 100% that I had endometriosis. So I'd mm-hmm. done all the research it's like every symptom there, yeah. well, that's me, that's me, that's me. But I didn't know what endometriosis was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pronounce the words. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting this private surgeon and thinking, private almost means perfect. You know what I mean? We're going yeah. in here, we're paying money. Yeah. We're going to get good service. <laughs> oh, naive little Natalie again. So um, I remember being like, he shook my hand and I was like, hi, my name's Natalie. I've got endometriosis. And he's like, there's no way you could know that. And I was like, I've been on a journey over the past however many years. I know now yeah. what I feel. Yeah. And I've done the research. Um, so I remember he scheduled the surgery and there's a bit of a delay. Cause normally private, it's quite quickly. Yeah. He was going away. And then my entire personal life is like yeah. up in flames at that point. So I remember going to the pre-op and like mum was like, it was a few very, days away. Yeah, very poorly. And I just remember, like, I think I was crying to this nurse and she's taking blood and I'm like, oh, so they knew the situation entirely. And then one of the last things I said to mum was, like, I can't have the surgery, not, not like, with you being in the situation. She wasn't really verbalised or vocalised anything at that point. Yeah. And I remember she was like, get answers. So that was almost, like, one of the last things she said. So I was like, whatever happens, you know, yeah. we'll try. Yeah. So it was six days after we lost that that I had the first private surgery and got the diagnosis for endometriosis, which was the most bittersweet thing ever because even the surgeon in the moment was like, oh, well, aren't you glad it's not all in your head? And I was just like thick in grief, like in the absolute pits, like, sorry, what have you just said to me? I told you the second that I met you what I had and you didn't believe me. And then he mentioned the marina coil and I was like, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. He had to leave and he had to come into the surgeon's room. And then he was like, I don't think we should have done the surgery so close to you losing your mum. I was like, you think? You think? So I had to stay in hospital for 24 hours and less than 24 hours after I was released from hospital to my mum's funeral. So even that whole process was like, you've got a diagnosis, but then... Yeah. I, I don't even... I remember the funeral a bit, but I think, like, I was probably still pumped full of drugs and... You, you just got so much... So much... Like, I haven't even got words to describe what... I had a hot water bottle at the Because I was, like, in that much pain. Because I remember as well, I got my hair done pre-surgery. Yeah. Scouse girl. Yeah, of course. You, you want to look your ass and it's like, I don't want to have surgery and then have to try and do my hair do my hair because yeah. as well it's like three to four incisions in your stomach you yeah. pump full of gas you try doing a little stretch then so yeah. my friend 
pink curly hair. And then when I'm in surgery, just about to go under, they were like, have you got um, pink curls in your hair? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, you can't have any metal on. So start ripping the pink curls out of your hair. Oh, do you think you're going out tonight? And I'm like, literally trying to find the words to say. Yeah. And I couldn't. Yeah. And I'm trying so hard. So I start having a panic attack and they put me out. So then the next point, I wake up. I wake up. Oh my God. The next breath I take, as far as I'm aware, I haven't even had the surgery. I'm just like, <sighs> straight back into it. So what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, hey? Oh, bloody hell. So that was surgery two. And then there's been two more since, since. then. Have they helped? Um, the second surgery where I went private, as much as it was great to get the diagnosis, um, the surgery itself yeah. has left irrevocable damage. So it's caused nerve damage in both legs. Oh my God. And again, because I thought he was amazing. Yeah. I still hadn't done enough research. So he wasn't a specialist. He was just a, a general gynecologist. He promised me he'd done X, Y, and Z, but in reality, he hadn't, and he was operating outside of his field. So six months after that, I found... Well, you have to go through, like, six weeks of recovery and mm-hmm. then go to post-op. And it was at that point, like, every red flag, I just brought to him, and I was like... Yeah. So he... The only way he wanted to deal with me was to offer me to go and get pregnant... So infertility can come hand in hand with endometriosis or there can be fertility issues. Um, Have hysterectomy or be medically induced into menopause every six months and then taken in and out. And I was like, how can you even put any of them things in the same sentence? Pregnancy, hysterectomy, menopause. So. I don't even know how, like I can't even comprehend that train of thought. But I think at this point I'd expected it. Yeah. So. My poor dad had to come to that appointment with me. God love him. My dad hadn't been to anything like that with me, but no. it was with my mum or yeah. Andy. Andy was away. Yeah. Sorry, dad. Yeah. And I remember he left the room because I was like, I want to be referred to an endometriosis specialist. I found him. Here's his name. I just need you to do the referral so yeah. private health can make it happen. Yeah. And he was like, no, I will refer you to a menopause specialist. And I was like, but I'm not going through the menopause nor am I consenting to be put through the menopause. Like, how would you explain that to your employee? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to be having hot flushes and this, yeah. that, and the other, and then it'll stop for six months. And, and then I'll do it. I'll do it again, just just for the fun of it. Yeah. Um, so I think within three days, I was sat with an endospecialist wow. who went through everything from the previous surgery, more red flags. Um, so basically, endometriosis, if you think of a mole, mm-hmm. You can see the mole on the surface, mm-hmm. but underneath there's still going to be roots. And unless you go down and get the roots of that mole, mm. that mole will still grow back. Yeah. So it's the same with endometriosis. So I've been told that basically they've done gold standards. He'd gone down, he'd taken the roots out, but he's actually just burnt it at surface level. So within six months when I was having the third surgery, every surgery has been quite long, but it's still like another four and a half hours for him to correct what the previous person had done. And endometriosis, is that what, isn't that what the tissue of your uterus grows outside of it? Is that right? Tissue that's similar to the line of your right, uterus okay. grows elsewhere. So Elsewhere, anywhere in your body? So for me, I have endometriosis where people would typically associate it. So yeah. your ovaries, yeah. your bowel, your palatal douglas, all them. 
good things down yeah, there. Yeah. But I've also got it on my diaphragm. Oh, okay. Um, they don't know enough, so people can't explain yeah. really how it's there and it's not there. Um, but again, every time I have a period, wherever that endometriosis is, that's almost like releasing blood. Oh, my God. Um, so you could have chocolate cysts on there, which yeah. then can also rupture. Um, so I could also be at risk of my lung collapsing every time I have a period, just because where's progressed to. And even trying to get believed that that was in my diaphragm was a massive battle in itself. The first private guy mm. at the six week appointments, I was like, I know it's there. Like I can, I can, that pain, Yeah. it's just in a different part of my body. And he was like, do you wear wire in your bras? I was like, yeah. And he was like, it'll be that, stop wearing wire in your bra. And then, and the specialist comes in, yeah, there's endometriosis on your diaphragm, but they couldn't, they couldn't access it. So I think that probably gave me the, the best quality in life would have been that third surgery. Um, and then I would have been made redundant 18 months later and at that point because he diagnosed it on the diaphragm but not done anything. Yeah. The pain was there. Um, my ovaries tend to stick down. So when I have surgery, there'll be adhesions or scar tissue kind of... It always... T- Tends to be the left one now. So they'll have to like release yeah. that if they can. Um, and I don't know. Getting up into the diaphragm. It can take like a multidisciplinary team yeah. to do it. So when I was made redundant, we had been trying for some time yeah. to have a baby. And every time you have surgery, they'll give you a three-month window. And that's kind of... Why is that? Because they've gone in and... Refreshed everything, basically. Basically, yeah. So everything's in tip-top shape. A bit And past three months, you'll have had three periods. The things are going to start growing or the scar tissue is going to start forming. Um, And every time we kind of surpass... People do get pregnant, like, years later and stuff. But Mm -hmm. we've gone, we've got three months. And then, you know, you might still try after. But that initial hope then starts to diminish a little bit. So I think by the time we had the fourth surgery, been made redundant, I'd come out of a toxic environment um, mm-hmm. in a corporate world, climbing a ladder. And all I wanted to do at that point was to prove myself and to get to the, the highest yeah, yeah. I could be, be the youngest person in my field. Um, but it was toxic and it was taking an, an impact on me. And I think... It's only when I say stuff out loud about like losing my mum and then getting diagnoses and it's like a lot happens in a short space of time and yes I might have time off for surgery yeah. but it's also be like rushing to get back mm-hmm. or rushing to get back to me as well like yeah. you don't want to be yeah. sick do you um but having that fourth surgery and not having the pressure of work or having to update somebody every couple of days on yeah. How, you doing? how my scar tissue is doing or yeah. this that and the other um i think that was probably the best it it was the best thing that could ever happen to me was yeah. to be made redundant yeah. because that final surgery happened or final state and then again you're given the three months and that was in covid the surgery yeah. so three months on and it was at the end literally yeah, it was the 11th hour because we were just about to put into foster 
And then, yeah, you found out we were pregnant. Oh my God. Literally, absolute miracle. You was. And he is. Yeah. Absolutely. Four years in the making. And that's why when people go, you can have another one. And I'm like, four years in the making. Like, <laughs> he's only two. I've got two more years. Yeah. <laughs> you feel it? Yeah. I didn't realise it could cause in, in, infertility. Yeah. So I think um, endo and polycystic ovaries yeah. are two of the main conditions linked with infertility. So a lot of things with endo is so hard to be diagnosed. It's yeah. such a long period. So I started, I think about 17, I started pushing for answers. Mm. I was 27 when I was diagnosed. And there'd be previous, previous yeah. before that where there would have been pain and stuff. But unless you know what you're looking for, yeah, you're not going to find. I was going to say, how, how if anyone's out there who thinks they've got endometriosis, what does it what does it look like for you? What does it feel like for you? Apart from being invisible, um, yeah. So predominantly, people will associate it with painful periods, okay. and that might be heavy periods. Yeah. Um. So what they say is typically periods shouldn't be painful so if you can have okay. a bit of pain and you take a paracetamol and, and that doesn't get rid of the pain yeah then there might be underlying oh, issues okay. there um for me it was more constant pain so it wasn't just around my periods they were horrendous mm-hmm. still are but um for me when i now i know that the organs were glued down and now yeah. that pain it's like almost if you're trying to walk and you're stretching your leg forward, but something inside that's not your leg is like almost holding you back. So obviously I have problems with mobility anyway, yeah. but I know right now I need surgery. I can feel similar things. Yeah. And this is probably the longest I've gone without say, having surgery. Well, it'll be up for three years, won't it? Because of the baby, yeah. Because of the baby. More? Just? Just over three years, yeah. Because yeah. it would have been... When he was born, it was like a year, almost to the point. Yeah. Well, just under a year from the surgery. Yeah. Wow. So mobility-wise, do you have problems with mobility because of that surgery? Um, so I've also got fibromyalgia, oh, yeah. which impacts everything. Yeah. Um, so that impacts mobility, um, but I have, I have a whole catalogue of things. I have hypermobility as well. So basically my joints move on beyond the normal realm Capacity, always yeah. known that yeah. as a dancer like bendy yeah. wendy yeah it was never an issue yeah. and then as i've got older and your hip starts to sort of look out of place every time you take a step yeah it's painful um how did you find pregnancy with that thing because obviously with the relaxing as well that goes into joints and <laughs> so those of you that are listening that is pulling a very unpleasant face yeah so my shoulders had never subluxed until I had oh, Zion. Wow. And then, because I was breastfeeding, like, if you'd be sitting in bed and you'd, like, try and push yourself up. Yeah. That little push. Oh, wow. And then the shoulders all the place. And it's trying to get it back in place. So, yeah. as I say, it's not, like, fully coming out. Yeah. So, like, I could be, like, Andrew's trying to massage oh, it in. I'm trying to roll it in. Sorry. No, don't worry. And I, I'm fine with bodies and dislocation and everything with... with dance world but yeah wow. Mm. wow so everything became even more yeah flexible um which i think made things worse in a way yeah. and everyone would be like okay so it'll be out of your system by x points yeah but because i was breastfeeding where are we now <laughs> so it's probably only just 
out of my system yeah. now. Yeah. Like 23, 24 months after having a baby. Wow. Because even like I've been um, to physio and even they were saying about, about until... Until everyone's fully settled down, which will yeah. be like probably six months after breastfeeding, yeah. then you are gonna. Well, I dislocated my hang on right knee. Yeah, I have to because that's, that's I'm my right. Dyslexic and I'm dyspraxic. No, but that's my right and that's my left from teaching. So I literally say because I'm obviously I'm mirroring you. So <laughs> I, I couldn't I, do I that. Get me left and right back to front. Um, yeah, my right knee from doing a contemporary teaching a contemporary dance class too soon. I was thinking that was about six weeks. Mm. But I did like a roll of mini and I literally fell. I'm not even, I'll show you, I'll let you listen to the noise of that knee. I believe you. It's just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But again, things that you wouldn't expect, things that you're not really. I know, but I remember being like, what's relaxing? What are you on about? Because I remember a friend said to me, who's a pre and postnatal. You relax with a baby? Yeah. (laughs) You don't. Um, I remember a friend said to me, she's a pre and postnatal specialist. And you're flexible. This is your job. Just be careful. And I'd be like, I was like, I'm absolutely sound. Oh my god, no, my back by the end of it was. I in ended up with um bits. What do you call those it? Supports. Mm, underneath yeah, her. Under bump. I think I'll give them one and I just wouldn't wear it because I was vain. Oh, I had sciatica <laughs> in in pregnancy. Yeah, in your bum and down the leg. Like, and I ended up with carpal tunnel at the end as well. I think I've got carpal tunnel definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I literally then I was like, ah, oh my god! I always have to wear um, splints. Splints on my wrists. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wonder if I've got really bad wrists. I snapped that though when um, punching stay in boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Made a correction in a boxing session, not just like. We'll see if that the, makes it to the end. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't forget to make me tea one night. It's fair. It was two nights. Yeah, I think it was two. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, there's so many things about pregnancy they just don't tell you about. And I was already like I use a right-handed crutch most of the time. Yeah. Um, because that side's the worst. So, pregnancy it was that. I did get a wheelchair before we fell pregnant, but yeah. sitting down was like no a nightmare because yeah. of the the sciatica. So, pregnancy. Because if I think about like the challenges of pregnancy, anyway, without fibromyalgia, without hypermobility. Without endometriosis, how are you even sitting in front of me? I just you tell me. I said before, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, doesn't it? I know, but when you're in a situation and you'll know yourself, yeah, you just get through it. You don't know any different, do you? So for us, it was like we were hopeful that we'd get pregnant. Yeah, like we were tracking everything we could possibly track, like. I'm vegan anyway, but I was gluten-free. Yeah. I was doing smoothies every morning. Yeah. Everything I could do yeah. to be, like, the top of healthiest I could yeah. be, I was doing. And, I mean, Andrew was working away, and it's like, I'm ovulating today. You need to get home. So we come home, yeah, drive back the same night, and yeah. eventually yeah. It, it happened. But even, I think for both of us, we were so scared yeah. of that pregnancy. We knew not... In general, but endometriosis can put higher risks on things. Yeah. It can be associated more with miscarriages. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you didn't want to get happy too soon. You didn't want to kind of... It's absolute shit, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And we're locked down, so yeah. there's nowhere you can go. There's nothing yeah. you can do. You're literally sat at home like, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, <laughs> I'm pregnant. <gasps> okay. um, and 
think the first trimester was a lot of sickness, but no. Again, I know people say that HG G words hyper. Yeah, I can't didn't say it. didn't have that. Yeah. But because I was so soon after surgery, I hadn't even been able to lie down flat for about the first six to eight weeks after surgery because they'd gone right up into my diaphragm. Yeah. So when I'm being sick, I've still got all these little uh. incisions and stuff that heal them. Um, but it was like I just felt so blessed. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I think pregnancy was probably a little bit different because. People go, oh, if you've got endo and you get pregnant, well then, you're not having periods, so good. Yeah, the pain. It's like, but I can still feel things stretching. I can still feel scar yeah. tissue. Um, but I don't know. I think it was almost like every day was Christmas and I'd wake up mm. and let your mind go, oh, you need mm. to remember something and be like, I'm pregnant, I'm mm. pregnant. Because it had been just like so long in the making and so much of wanting it. To then be like, I'm living that life. Like, yeah. this is actually happening. But is it? So I think even to the point when we had the baby, yeah. the pair of us were still like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, yeah. how lucky are we? Yeah. But I think I loved being pregnant because I never thought that I might be able to do that. Yeah. And I loved from like... From a young age as well. Yeah, yeah, from a young age. Yeah. And I think as well, my mum, as I always said to her, look, I just don't think there's ever going to be a way to have kids. And she'd be like, oh, you know, there's, there's options, this, that, and the other. Yeah. And I was like, but, like, naturally, like, I just don't think so. So I was always trying to, like, prepare the people around me just that case. it's not going to happen. Yeah. And then if it does, it does. Um, I remember telling my dad, my dad just didn't, it didn't register what was going on. And he thought it was, a bit. I gave him a baby growl, and he thought the baby grew was for my nephew. And he was like, it's a bit small, isn't it? And I was like, just read what the box says. And he was like, and even he was like, we didn't think you could get pregnant. Yeah, taken aback by it. Well, I am. Well, I am, Um, But second trimester, it kind of just went a bit out the window. Did, it, did you become high risk in pregnancy or? So I was, wasn't high risk originally. I was going to be um, like consultant led, mm-hmm. but wasn't high risk. The concern was because I'd had so many surgeries and it was so fresh with the wounds and stuff yeah. um, that there could be complications. Um, but I don't think I'd actually met anyone. I'd like gone for a few scans and stuff, but like I hadn't met a consultant or anything. Yeah. Um, and then it was towards the end of the second trimester mm-hmm. where the anterior placenta. Yeah. So I couldn't feel a lot for a while. Once I started establishing them feelings, they just stopped. And just so yeah. it had happened once before, but they came back, yeah. but this time stopped and they never came back. So, unless it was like, I do remember you having to have a lot of monitoring, a lot of monitoring, unless he was like, you know, towards the end, and you can see little fists and hands and feet yeah. come out, and he's like, volume, yeah? yeah. Unless it was like such a massive, forceful thing, I couldn't feel it. I could see him, I could see him moving around, but I couldn't feel it. So, then I'm always like a medical marvel, you are so into hospital and they wanted me to stay in hospital until the baby was delivered which was like over you're two like, months away. Are you like 30, 31 weeks at this point? I was 27 or something I think. Okay. And because of Covid that's why they were like so if you just stay in and you just don't leave basically. Yeah. And I was like mm-hmm. So although I've had all, all these surgeries and stuff like I hate hospitals. Yeah. My worst nightmare is to yeah. be left on my own 
in a hospital. For 10 weeks. <laughs> For 10 minutes. Pregnant. <laughs> like every surgery, yeah. I'm either like begged to be released the same day. Yeah. Or like made yeah. sure Andy can be there. Um, I was like, mm, okay. So instead, they said if I came in every single day mm-hmm. and they would strap me up, monitor the baby, and if they were happy. Said yeah. So that's what we did. I think it was... Were you at the women's? No. No. Just keep interrupting you. Um, has bad... The women's at the first place that dismissed me. um, And I collapsed and everything after that surgery and they were trying to push me at the door. So I didn't... Didn't want to go anywhere where there was any sort of feeling towards her. Um, We went to Wiston. I've heard lovely things about Wiston. They were beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Couldn't... I think I'd never been there before. And he had had... It's like sliced his hand open. He's had a plastic surgery on his hand, and yeah. he'd been born there, and his parents raised yeah. out there. So I couldn't fault them, but yeah. it was every single day, and you'd have to be COVID tested every single day before you were allowed into the hospital. Because as well, pregnant women, yeah. vulnerability, all this good stuff. So yeah, it went on every single day. I think for over two months, and then they reduced it to I could come every two days. And it was a planned C-section. I could have potentially tried to give birth naturally. Um, there's risk of dislocating both my hips. I was going to say. And they would have to, because I couldn't feel, so the risk with me was because I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. If something went wrong, like even pre-birth, if you did generally stop moving, I wouldn't know. Yeah. So again, you'd like, have to be strapped to a bed. Everything would have to be monitored. And we don't really think that's the best thing yeah. for you do it if you want and I was like no no we're okay so was he full time was he 30 he was full time but I think like just full time yeah um and that was a, a weird day because I think like I know you you sound like less of a control freak but I'm more of a control freak mm. where I have to know everything yeah so, like, the fact that my concern was I wouldn't make it to the day that yeah. they scheduled me on the C-section. And I was like, yeah. do I have to give birth? And they're like, no, you can come in and they'll give you a C-section. And I'm like, the baby's too far for grass. Like, yeah. Okay. you sat there. Like, yeah. so I, they said they'll rank you based on, like, medical priority. Like, okay. so I was, like, most complex. So straight up top of the list. Yeah. 9 a.m. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> to get it, like, 6 a.m. Uh-huh. And then, like, you can't eat. And yeah. I like, I will always take like snacks everywhere, yeah. especially being vegan. Like you just have to well, cater for yourself. Free. Yeah. Exactly the same. without a snack bag. But people are just eating people's partners. They're eating in front of them. I'm like, I'm like, Andy, if you want to eat, fine. But you go out to that room. You yeah. do not eat in front of these people. Like, yeah. I'm first. Mary Jane over here could be like six o'clock tonight. And, and, and God love her. People, like, I know. I'd praise him as a partner compared to these people's partners. I was yeah. like, yeah, I've been warned that the C-section, I might have to be put to sleep okay. because some of the conditions I have don't make certain medications or injections work. Um, so they said if the spinal block didn't work, yeah. then they put me to sleep. Um, and the spinal blocker par- partially worked. <laughs> it worked on the left, so it didn't work oh on the God. right. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to be put to sleep. Like... Andy could be there while the baby was delivered. Then he had to go and come back at visiting hours that night. So I'm thinking, with COVID, there's no one else here with me. So if you put me to sleep, I'm going to have no recollection 
I've ever given birth. Yeah. Then I'm going to wake up with a child. And no, no recollection of, no partner. And then watch no. it, just just try and figure out how I'm to do this on my own. <laughs> so literally, um, you lie in like, almost in like a crucifix position, your arms like strapped. And I was like shaking. Yeah. And like, one of my biggest flaws is, if I am in excruciating pain and you ask me am I in pain, I'll say no, like never better. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> absolutely topped it. This is like, if you're okay, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm pale anyway, but I must have been like, yeah, sheet white. And Andy's like, she's not okay. She's not okay. She's in a lot of pain, and he's like, we can put your thing. I'm like. <gasps> no it's fine so I think they just kept pumping me with more and more more morphine yeah because they do test you before they start to see whether you can feel anything yeah. and I couldn't but as soon as like they'd gone to start the c-section there was like a whimper yeah. and then everyone just kind of recoiled yeah. back I was like fuck just carry on oh my god um, but the, the surgeons even said there was so much scar tissue that she was trying to get through, through. So I think I think they got him out within seven minutes, but then it was like forty minutes of just like sewing me back back up. Back up. Wow. That was fun. Oh but it's beautiful. Like yeah, I don't regret the birth or the decision to do that, and I'm like so firm in the fact that I fought them and stayed awake because, as I say, that would have been yeah. a whole different thing. But with C-section babies, it was like. The likelihood is he's not going to make a noise when he's born. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew he was measuring little. Um, but we didn't quite know how little. So they're like, you know, come out. There's going to be fluids in his lungs, blah, 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 blah. So don't be alarmed. It is perfectly normal. And then he come out. And as soon as he held him up, he was like, ah! <laughs> And he, he's just never been quiet since. <laughs> yeah, and the rest is history, yeah. as they say. Wow. Small, but mighty. He was only £5.14. So he was Diddy. Diddy. I'd never seen not on so little in my life. No. Like I thought if a baby was born that small, they're gonna take him he's gonna go like off to like premature. Yeah. Yeah. But now within twenty four hours we were home. home. I remember when Bella was born, so Bella was almost a pound heavier. So still little. Tiny. But me being like, fucking hell, why am I this big if she's that little? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking enormous. Straight on the scale. <laughs> Why am I this big and she's that little? Think about all that protection. Like, if you just had this And the mini eggs. <laughs> that was a massive factor with me. I have started yeah. eating olives. I've oh. never eaten olives in my life. Hated oh, wow. them. And then that was, like, one of my main pregnancy cravings. Yeah. And now Zion is obsessed with olives. olives. He has that, like, what was it? The palate yeah. of, like, some sophisticated 30-year-old man. Yeah. Bell's pate. She has, she has pate on toast. I've never tried it before. I've never tried pate. I'm wearing for pate. These like, yeah, most kids want jam. Mm-hmm. Bella, Bella. Bella. Bella wants pate. I'm like, whatever. Well, did no. you see the photo of my story the other day? Was I was sitting in a trolley eating a raw broccoli? I did. Yeah, after swimming. God love him. Raw as well. Tell me your child's vegan without telling me your child's vegan. <laughs> someone was like, someone messaged me, was like, oh, it's dead cute, isn't it? And I was like, I think it was more like he was doing a bit of like itinerary. He went, mummy, have you got broccoli? I said, you ate it all last, last night because we had like a Sunday roast. And he was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Then we go in the shop and he's like, to the broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you can have anything you want, you know, anything. 
I always say I didn't have cravings, but I was vegan before. <laughs> I, I was pregnant. <laughs> so I did. Mm. Yeah. But it's just the idea of eating a meat, meat replacement sausage. I just, Steve's mum, God love her, she didn't know I was pregnant. I was about seven weeks pregnant. And she put... And they've done all kinds for me because I'm also gluten-free, so I physically cannot yep. eat, digest anything with gluten in. So finding things that are both vegan and gluten-free is slim to none and expensive. Mm-hmm. So God love her, she'd done this roast dinner with the, yeah, the vegan stuff for me and me being looking at Steve like... Mm. I can't, I can't eat it. The, the, the thought of it. The thought of the... Yeah. I just, no. I just can't. I can't, I don't eat like, um... Like, and that looks like meat. Yeah, I yeah. can't. Remember Frost Burgers used to be in town? Yeah, yeah. And their burgers were, like, yeah. amazing. And I remember me and Andy went, and it might have been, like, lockdown, we'd, like, drove and sat at the docks. Yeah. And I remember opening it and just looking at it, and I was like, my brain can't process that this thing that looks like chicken is not, not chicken. chicken. And I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. Like... He will. Although they're not chicken burgers, were uh, amazing. I didn't eat so. Yeah. I think I just sat there and was like, well, it was, no. It was the only one I could eat because it was good. No, I can't do it. Yeah. But yeah. I know, it's funny, isn't it? I always say, oh, no, I have no cravings. Fucking hell. Eat it all. I think that was probably the hardest, like, for cheese and chocolate. Yeah. For that reason. Mm. And as well, because, like, I was so scared of, like, anything happening. I was, like, yeah. living in a bubble while I was pregnant. Yeah. So, like, if you did go to the shop, it'd be Andy who goes to the shop. Or... Yeah. Like, keep you at heart, out of the way of any harm. My dad was, my dad ended up in intensive care. Didn't he? My dad oh, was yeah. fighting for his life. I g- so I think as well, it's like, people what? can say what they want, but at home, like, we're living, yeah. living and breathing. Was somebody. that because of COVID? Yeah, yeah. He had COVID and because I was pregnant, he didn't want me to go near him. Yeah. So when I'd been, like, visiting him or dropping things off, he'd, like, fully keep his distance. And he's your dad. You know, he, he, yeah. Bravado. Um, but I think by the time he went to hospital, it was, like, pneumonia, and he had, yeah. like, clusters of, like, things all over his lungs. So he'd ended up in intensive care with, like, an oxygen mask on because yeah. his stat levels just wouldn't come up. And it, I think because everybody around him was dying... And at that point, like, it was a pandemic and the people that were in yeah. intensive care, no one could come in and see you. Yeah. So, like, I remember it was my 30th birthday. We were finding out what gender yeah. we were having because I wanted to celebrate in some way. Yeah. Um, and then I remember ringing. I sent my dad the video and then he rang me and he pretty much said goodbye because he was like, I ain't coming out of here. And I just remember, like, I got off the phone and I just, like, slid on the floor and I was like, can't do this I can't do this I can't do this so I think we ended up having an emergency scan the next day privately because I was like I just need to make sure yeah. everything's okay yeah. and we got science heartbeat put into the bear yeah. and we weren't allowed to send anything into the hospital but they took the bear and like I firmly believe that it's science heartbeat got him through. it gave him something to, like a bit of motivation yeah. he'd given up at that point yeah. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this but yeah. he felt like he was fighting the lost cause and he wasn't getting better so then this little teddy bear goes, went in and he said he played anyone, every nurse, anyone he played it to. And then bit by bit, like, yeah. he got there and he got out of the hospital. I think he's, he's still got, like, long COVID now. Yeah. But he kind of then went on that pregnancy journey with me when yeah. Andy wasn't there because he was still recovering off work. He'd come to hospital. He'd get him. He'd, get, he'd call him dad sometimes and I'd be like, calling him the baby's dad or they call him my, my dad? dad? I know. Hmm. Yeah. Nothing against that, I yeah. But yeah, it was um 
a stressful, stressful time. But I feel like that that's a lot of what I'm accustomed to is yeah. stress. And I think the catalogue of heartache in such a short period of time is just, yeah. Beautiful. Un- unfathomable for the majority. Stop it. I'm just being honest <laughs> with you. It's unbelievable. So the fact that you're sitting there with a smile on your face is what well, my tears. Stop it. I can't. I don't like people being nice. That's the thing. Isn't it? <laughs> don't be nice to me. I've known you long enough. I can't be nice to you. I remember you joining. I am Holy Rosary Church. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I for those of you listening, I don't know. Um, both of our older siblings were friends. Yes. And then obviously. We became friends as of that, and then ended up working in the same place as well. And they did a bit of PT for you and Andy for a little bit. The wedding? Just before you got married, yeah. yeah. Before you got married. So I can have abs on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the good days, <laughs> Abs. Fucking <laughs> hell, don't talk to me about abs oh. nowadays. God, I don't know where mine are. Back there. Hide them. Just hide them. Yeah. So you said before... You got made redundant. Yes. It was actually, for you, the best thing that ever happened. At the time, you feel like your world's imploding. I can imagine. Because that's all I'd known was that company. Um, but no, honestly, I've feared walking past, like, managers and stuff. Yeah. And it happened the other week. And, like, I've played this conversation over my head. Like, yeah. What would I say? What would I say? Yeah. And I got out of the car... I have a little disabled badge and a little disabled bay and I took out my perfect little boy and we were walking into a shop and this person just walked past me and pretended like they didn't know who I was. They could see straight through me, the person who'd been to my wedding, my mum's funeral, everything. And in that moment, I was just like, I feared this moment. Yeah. For what? Yeah. Because obviously you're more scared of the situation than I am yeah. to pretend that I don't exist. And here I am with the most gorgeous little boy. Yeah. That I've had to carry it on working in that environment categorically. He may have come to me at a later time, but it wouldn't have been then. I wouldn't have got the surgery because yeah. I would have been too scared to have got a third surgery in, in such yeah. a short period of time. So, yes, I think initially it was like, what am I going to do next? Yeah. And you think you want to jump to what you know. But I was like, I don't. I don't. I never planned to be working in, in like financial services. Yeah. I've got an English degree. I thought yeah. I would go down that route. But then once we got pregnant, it was like, I just reassessed life. Yeah. And very fortunate that I don't have to work yeah. in the position that we're in right now. That doesn't mean that I don't want to work. And that yeah. doesn't mean that I won't work in the future. But how lucky and blessed am I that I've got this miracle I never thought that I'd have. Yeah. And I get to spend every second of every day with them. Most parts. Yeah. 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 N- nursery for two half days. Yeah. Grandparents once a week. So yeah. I do get that little bit of respite. Yeah. Um, Which... <laughs> I think you could do it to be honest. Andy has just worked six days in a row. He did two 12 hour days and then four 12 hour nights. Yeah. So, meaning as well that when he comes home and goes to bed, he'd be up for a few hours before back and work. Yeah. So, like today was like the first day where I've just literally gone, oh, the baby's gone to nanny and granddad's. Andrew's at home doing what he wants. And then I can like get my nails done. Yeah. Which is something I never do. Yeah. You have to do things. You have to. You can't always find that time, but it is important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a massive. I was talking to a a guest last week, Farron, and we were saying like, whatever it is for you that makes 
you feel like you, it's important that you do try and find that time yeah. for yourself because you do just lose yourself completely. 100%. I fucking fell off the face of the earth with everything, but yeah, I do agree. Having that little bit of time, even if it is an hour to get your nails done once a month. Or maybe get a bath on your, your own. own. Yeah, without. Mummy in the bath. Yeah. Zion gets in bath too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can't yeah. wait. I feel awful when Bella's in the bath and she goes, Mummy, you get in with me. And I'm like, fucking hell, you've asked so kindly and with this little sweet face. Goes, How can I say no? Okay. But I, I I have the bath like scalding hot. Like if I don't get out red head to toe, then I have to stop not like the bath. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there like dithering because it can't be that off for them. So they're like, oh. And Zion, it was gross. I put a bit of cold in. Even it could be like the colder thing. <laughs> just cold. Put a bit of cold in. Oh, too hot. I put a bit of cold in. Yeah, just what you know. Always. So, Andy's job. Mm-hmm. He used to be a chef when we yeah. first got together. The good old days. Um, and with most chefs, it's not kind of... It's unsociable hours, isn't it? It's unsociable hours. It's also zero hour contracts. It's also not the best pay for the amount yeah. of hours you're working like even the day before we got married i think he he was meant to get off early so early was have been about five o'clock in the afternoon 11 o'clock at night i'm still sat there waiting for him thinking, oh my god it's not him i wanted to kill yeah. it was like the head chef yeah. so i mean he enjoyed cooking and that yeah. was something but it was never really a career so literally just before we lost my mom he had applied to go Apply for an apprenticeship to yeah. train it to become an engineer. So part of that training would be classroom based and yeah. part of it would be workplace based. So when he was away, um yeah, it'd be six week blocks, but he'd come home every weekend. Thankfully he's finished. There's mm-hmm. no more blocks are going away. But there was quite a few in the early days and catching up from COVID because yeah. obviously nobody had been kind of yeah. in them situations. So yeah, he works long hours. So a new mum, mm-hmm. tiny baby, teeny, everything going on with you and a C-section recovery mm. and no husband to help. Yes. We were chatting before, weren't we, off camera about yeah. breastfeeding mm-hmm. as well, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about that, but even like, I just, <laughs> this is going to be a reoccurring theme all I through this, I just don't know how you've done it. Well, C-section for me was not the most amount of pain I've been in surgery wise it was quite simple to recover from mm-hmm. maybe because things hadn't been they just took the baby out and then stitched me up yeah. so that wasn't too bad but you do push yourself yeah. so I think Wiston has a program of where they try and get people out within 24 hours that's the same most places to be fair so I know I was thinking well it's major surgery and they're just going to release you out into the world but equally I, I'd much rather have had the surgery and gone 12 hours later <laughs> get me home and yeah. I was like I know I can look after myself yeah. better because they were so understaffed I don't yeah. know about you but most of mine was just student and nurses because I was classed as a natural birth or vaginal birth the other four women on my ward at any given time were all c-sections I was helping them because there was only like one midwife literally running around like a blue ass fly god lover so yeah you could have come and help me i know i remember because you have to put like caftan in when you have the c-section yeah. that was the bit that i was most scared about yeah i thought you're gonna feel all these things but you couldn't feel anything yeah but I remember when andy came back in hospital 
she was like, we need to take your calf throat. Can you move over to this chair? And he was like, can you pass her a stick so she can get up? And he, he was like, she doesn't need it. And he was like, well, she needed it before she was pregnant. Now she's just has a C-section. <laughs> oh she's got a bag inside her. But, yeah. but no. But no, she did give me, I think I had to like, post myself. Like, <laughs> push <laughs> well. Wow. But I'd always wanted to try and breastfeed if I could. Mm. And I'd never, I'd never put any pressure on anything. It was just... Because if it works, it works. If it works, it works. And because me and Andy were vegan and yeah. dairy makes me violently ill, I'd never, the baby had never been exposed to it during yeah. pregnancy. So I was like, mm. yeah. it wasn't too like hippy dippy that like, you can't do this and you yeah. can't do that. Um, Again, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we tried and he, he took to it. And I, I didn't think my milk had come in because I was a bit early having a C section. But mm-hmm. I think from being such a tiny baby within two weeks, he just turned into a little ch- chunky monkey. Mm. And then it was working. Mm. It worked for us because, as I said before, I don't know how. We lived in a, a three-story house at the time, how I could have been doing all of them feeds um, up and down the stairs. Yeah. And I could lie down. I could feed him. He yeah. was happy. He was healthy. He was thriving. Yeah. Um, still hard and it still shifts. Mm. Don't get me wrong. In most dynamics, a lot is on one parent, isn't it? It doesn't matter who that parent is, a lot is on one. And when you breastfeed, then I think that almost makes the partner feel a little bit unable to assist in them situations. It doesn't stop them sleeping Mm. straight through, does it? (laughs) Whenever you ever have them nights where the baby slept all night, and they're like, I've been up every two hours feeding. Um, But yeah, it it was watching them grow from it. I just never, he, he was born and I don't know about Bella, but he hadn't grown into his body. So he had wrinkly knees. I remember saying, what are those newborn legs? They literally look. Yeah. The little, um, <laughs> or, or the little wrinkles on. It's, yeah. it's like Benjamin Button, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember saying, like, the, I just couldn't get over her legs. I actually said that not long ago. I looked back at the pictures. I like, remember those newborn legs that, like, just, like, fell out of a hip socket. There was, like, nothing to them. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no. And then you blink and the walk and talk and giving cheek. Yeah. And dancing in the kitchen. Yeah. I know. Singing. Singing. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. But again, beautiful. What do you think? This is a bit of a different, this is a stupid question for you, but I feel like your answer would be different to other people. What What do you think is the, has been your biggest challenge or is your biggest challenge as a woman? It probably will be parents and with disabilities because there's nothing there like I've always tried and I will always try and put Zion at the forefront of everything we do so he's never missed baby classes he's never missed doing things that other children his age would be doing but I don't know disabled people at this point don't fully fit into this world Mm. as much as we say like everywhere should be accessible it's not it's not and it's not going to and the places that you're going to with children and not places that I get money invested in them. Mm-hmm. So when I was breastfeeding, we were living in Nosley at the time. Mm-hmm. So I would be under a certain early years thing there. Mm-hmm. And you'd go to baby massage and baby yoga. Um, which again is great, but everything's based on the floor. And you'd have to carry this baby in and out. And I think towards the end, the staff would know when people would like offer to carry the baby out. Um, but it was still, I'd have to put myself out there and I'd have to explain the situation and most of the time I don't want to I just want to go to a class and have him but when you've got him you can't necessarily use mobility aids so how do you you can't push a pram and have a walking stick or a crutch yeah so then 
the pram comes, you're walking sink crutchy, you're putting your weight on yeah. there. We tried loads of different wheelchairs when the baby was born. Like, my dad would get me the lightest weight wheelchair. I didn't have the strength, especially with C-section, to physically Wheels. push myself, let alone I thought in my head, oh, look at this chair, I can do it with one arm and I push the baby with the other one. Like, you can't even move with one arm. Like, so... We have an electric wheelchair now, as and when. And Zion will sit in my knee. So he just thinks. He loves wheelchairs. He loves scooters. Any sort of mobility. It's like, I think most kids would be phased by it or stare at it. They don't know what it is. And he's like, he'll just try and grab her off someone. It's mine. It's all he knows. Um, But it has been difficult. And and now, I think at one point, I was getting counselling. Not specifically anything to do with postnatal. Mm -hmm. It was more to do with my journey yeah. and what the journey it has been and I remember saying to her like there's nothing out there that parents can access like that are disabled or that like people might look at me don't look disabled I've got dynamic disabilities so one day I could be housebound yeah. the other day I might be able to venture out in the car for a bit or mm-hmm. you know walk two steps into someone's house but mm-hmm. it's constantly changing and it can change throughout the day like I could wake up and feel amazing an hour later have nerve pain that's got me like switching that yeah I'm just in agony and I did try and look when I was pregnant to see if there was anyone else that liked that because I'm not the only person who's disabled there's like millions of disabled people Mm. and there's going to be millions of disabled mothers and parents so it's not just me but it's I think a lot of things that I have there's a taboo that comes with them Mm. and with the taboo people don't talk about them and the more things are hush then the more stigma is kind of attracted to it. So I used to have a platform pre-Zion where I'd share my whole entire life. And then I had Zion and it was like, I don't want people judging me. Mm. Sorry, take a minute. It's so brave now. So brave. You okay? Yeah. So when you have a kid, your world changes and you want to protect them so much. And for me, I think learning to be vulnerable was part of like my healing journey. Yeah. But then when you've got a child, you don't want to put them vulnerabilities out there. Yeah. I remember I put something up once about having a house and some man commented and was like, don't you mean that your husband paid for? Because you're disabled. And I was like, at which point, I was like, you couldn't be any more wrong. Like, everything that we'd ever had, like, I'd work my backside off. But there's a perception that if you're disabled, you're not able to do things or you're not able to parent. And I do follow people on social media that, like, I still feel blessed. I'm very lucky in what mm-hmm. I can do. These people that are in so much worse situations and they're amazing parents. Mm-hmm. And what they can bring to their child's life. Somebody else really couldn't and they couldn't give that perspective. But there is judgment there and there is unwillingness to help. So I know I moved baby classes a few times and we ended up we were ended up being in Basco. Yeah. Is where we went. And it's only because the person that was running them classes I ended up connecting with and she would then not make things bang on if I walked into a room, it wouldn't be like Jeez hell it would be like do you need a question or do you want me to get like a beanbag or something to sit on or yeah 
And it's just little things like that. But the more he grows, the harder it becomes because at one point they're not moving, are they? They're just cooing and and now he said to you before, he's he wild. doesn't stop. He yeah. and everyone goes up because he's a boy and I'm like, hmm, a little bit more energy than than Jen's ever think. Um but I said to you before, I'd do anything for him and to give him the best life. Mm. Um I think even moving to where we've moved is again we've gone from a three-story house to a dormer bungalow and that makes life so much easier because Zion Zion never got he he made it to his own room at six months and then I think two weeks later he ends up back in our room and that's where he stayed for the foreseeable because he was on a different floor so it's It's like too difficult and then if Andy's not there like there are some times where I physically wouldn't be able to get up that, that, that flight of stairs let alone with a weight that is growing yeah. day by day. So you just have to be with us. And I don't regret that. Like, mm-hmm. I think as well, society dictates that at six months old, we do X, Y, and Z, nine months old, 12 months old, whatever. And it's like, the one thing I'd well, say... Well, sleeps with us, no? Well, we weaned him off... We. I weaned him off breastfeeding. <laughs> and I hoped at that point we'd get him into, like, his own yeah. room. So when we moved house, I was like, right, we'll get him... Like a double bed, so he's got all the space, and then that way, if I need to be there, there's room, I will set it all up. His bed didn't get delivered when we moved into the house. So I was like, from the offset, we'll get we'll set this routine up and it'll be his own room. And the bed just never came. So he was in the bed with us in the new house. And then eventually it came. Um and I'm still at the point now where Zion would have to be breastfed to sleep mm-hmm. at the start of the year, and he'd wake up multiple times, and the only thing that ever soothed him was mummy's milk yeah so we've come a long way because yeah. he doesn't need that anymore he goes to sleep on his own but he does still tend to wake up yeah and when we had the health visitor around for his two-year assessment she said um well you just need to go sit on the floor every time he wakes up go back into his room and sit on the floor and this goes back to disability yeah i'm looking at this woman like i can't just keep getting on the floor like i can't that's why we've got a double bed so i can get into bed with them and she's like but in order to break the cycle, you just need to keep getting them back asleep the original way and making that distance. And, and I was like, I will end up asleep on this this child's floor. And I wake up every morning, like, crippled. So mm-hmm. can you imagine sleeping on a, on a floor? So again, it's like a one-size-fits-all solution all the time. It, it is. With everything, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's not really just is. disability. Disab- disability? Dis- disability. It's everything. And people can't look beyond no. the, the normal things. So... I think one of the other classes I took the baby to, they kept changing venue and it ended up somewhere where you'd have to go up two flights of stairs to get there. And I was like, I can't. Like, I physically can't. And then there's no accessibility there. And that's a dance school or a children's play centre. So there's no ac- accessibility for me. There's no accessibility for anyone else, is there? There's so many things you don't even realise until you've just, like... And I'm thinking about the places I go with Bella or where I've taken Bella and you probably wouldn't be able to access it. Even getting the baby in and out of a car. Yeah. You have to fully go Being down. Right and again, C-section, whatever. Once yeah. that passed, like, I still, I'm riddled with scar tissue, but I still have a lot of pain yeah. in them areas. I still need another surgery now. So trying to get him in and out of a cart was a nightmare. So I'd be like looking at things and adaptations don't necessarily exist or you can join 
some sort of government waiting list where maybe in 20 years' time when Zion's <laughs> left home, they might look into something. Yeah. Um, but everything I was finding was more like American. Um, there'd be groups on Facebook where it'd be like disabled parents or disabled mums and they'd simple things where your um, cot was open in the middle so you could just pick the baby up without the Oh my God, genius. And something like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure Andy could have knocked something together. Yeah. But it's just... Not the point, is it? It's not the point. No. Zion never used a cot and it didn't matter how many cots he bought. I mean, he never went yeah. in it anyway. Yeah. But it's just little things yeah. where you wouldn't necessarily even think about it. But when you're in that situation, it's like, how isolating is this? I can't yeah. be the only person that feels like this. Yeah. Like, there has to be more. And there will be. But again, it's not... I remember I kept asking one of the baby, does anyone know of like, disabled mums or disabled parents? And like... You get the odd answer back and they'd be like, I'm already following her. Or does anyone know yeah. um, a mum that carries a child in a wheelchair? Because yeah. how do you do that? I don't know. It's not like I was not like an expert yeah. wheelchair user or, yeah. you know, it's every now and again, I'd go on one and then how? Yeah. I still don't necessarily know the answer to that. It'd be yeah, baby wearing. But again, like... But that's not always feasible is it no I'm literally sitting here trying to think about even if I even know so there's a lot of things that I think pre all these diagnoses and stuff mm. if I had had a child I used to do everything on my own and not think about it and it'd been the same with the child whereas now it's like no. I, no. you have to I have to consider everything and yeah. because he can just run away I know especially with his levels of energy and he does yeah. Get, like we try and talk things through and like yeah. and I have to try and explain to him yeah. that if he's out with me he's either in the pram or he's in the trolley you're not because yeah. he did it the other day and Andy was there and thankfully Andy was there and I'm just like with me crutch walking with him he's holding my hand and then he just bolts and I was like <laughs> child yeah What what's your biggest reward? him yes he's the most beautiful soul in the world absolutely gorgeous he has a million times over yeah. a million times over is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about oh, I only cried once well done me <laughs> I'll just get in the car I'm just like crying now um, just I think the breastfeeding aspect of, of, of how you do end that journey yeah again something not spoken about at yeah. all and a lot of children where they have solely been breastfed it's not even a, a, a bottle they won't take it to dummy as well so mm-hmm. like when Zion started nursery and they said like oh, what's his comforter Does he, is it a blanket is there a toy is it this that and the other it's like it's me mm. <laughs> it's my nipples <laughs> oh yeah and even now they've stopped breastfeeding he is just still like mummy's boobies <laughs> yeah and like Hopefully, I'll grow out of only. It'll kill me listening to this. Well, my boss is that box, and you got mine, and she's never been breastfed. She goes, Mummy's boobies. But I'm like, Yeah, Mummy's boobies. Because they're fake, aren't they? So <laughs> I'm like, Yes, yes, Mummy's boobies. I'm going to a lot of these boobies. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're right. I actually, until we spoke about it beforehand, how, how do you stop breastfeeding? Did you, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't just. Don't just stop. I'm still in breastfeeding, like, WhatsApp groups. And as I'm someone, I will tell anyone to ask for help. Yeah. But I don't, don't take my own, like, advice on things. Yeah. So it'd be, like, 
Google everything. Three o'clock in the morning, Google. Yeah. And it, it's always like, try offering them all tips of trying to do an X, Y, and Z. So I was like, I've tried this. Let's ask like the breastfeeding specialist person for Yeah. And then you get sent like a newspaper article on something to do with breastfeeding or um, some sort of statistic on breastfeeding and how you should breastfeed to X age or, you know, just and while all them things are great and irrelevant and mm-hmm. yeah, none of it actually helps, matters. It doesn't materialise into a reality. No. You've just got a child that... Still wants your boob. Still wants your boob and, and you're not, not giving it to them. So I think people would like wait until he shows signs of stopping and follow that lead. But also I think I said to you before, it took a year to wean him. And I think it was a year of slowly, slowly, like yeah. follow his lead to a certain degree. Because again, as I said, when he gets sick, yeah. more milk, he's getting injections. He wants milk. He wants that comfort. Yeah. And I think because when Andy was working away and stuff and because I am a stay at home mom, yeah. It's me and him, 24-7. Yeah. So I'm all he knows. And at most times, sometimes the auntie's dismay, I'm all he wants because yeah. it's that ultimate comfort. Yeah. Um, but it was a long, hard journey. Is it like saying no to Because <laughs> you know, it's like on a basic principle of like food and drink to have yeah. to say like a, yeah. no. Um. I mean, I was ready a long time prior to that. And what I'd say, if I ever was able to have a child in the future, I'd still try and breastfeed initially, but a bottle would be introduced from day one and that bottle bottle would be... Because honestly, like, I think once I've got one picture with a dummy in his mouth and it's just after his injections, like, at three months old and he's so upset. And other than that, there was nothing. I'd say he's got the most perfect teeth, though. Yeah. Which is, isn't, like, come from, from me, so. <laughs> don't be tight. But, I don't know about Bella, he got teeth really, really young. Yeah, she did. She, Bella had, Bella was eight months old with nine teeth. He was four months old with four. Yeah. I remember, like. Come through all. I remember saying, she was, like, two months old, because I went back to work quite quick. My nan and granddad. Quite quick. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. My nan and granddad. The next day. <laughs> yeah, fucking still bleeding from birth. Um, my nan and granddad had her like two and a half days a week I think it was that's beautiful as well yeah it's been amazing to be fair but I remember saying to my granddad she was only like two months and then saying I think she's teething and my granddad said don't think she has is am but I said no granddad I just think she is and then literally that first two appeared at like four months and my granddad was like oh fucking hell sorry you were right hmm yeah, but yeah, she's just she just had a full. Well, that was nashes. a COVID thing as well. Maybe it was. <laughs> they were advanced in different ways, weren't they? Yeah, but yeah, she had a, a full set of nashes from quite young. To be fair, but we've been brushing our. Te- I feel I feel like we've been brushing our teeth since since day one. Yeah, yeah, since she's lived, because <laughs> that's how long she's had teeth for. Yeah, um, right. Got two closing traditions. What is one thing you wish you knew? about parenting before you became a parent does that imply that I need to know what the answer is now mm, no <laughs> I know I still um, it's probably things that we touched on in yeah. terms of how do you stop breastfeeding yeah and if anyone knows please let me know please let me know because <laughs> um, I feel like I stopped breastfeeding yeah. years ago now 
Yeah. But it was like literally a in month. February. February, March, because yeah. we had to, when he got sick, we had to start mm. feeding him again. So it was not long before we moved house. But yeah. that almost feels like years ago yeah. as well. Um, and again, how do you navigate parenthood with disability? That's still something that I'm trying to learn about. It's a massive question. It is. Massive. And there are, it's not just physical disabilities, it's mental disability. Yeah. There's so much out there. And there are people that I can relate to in certain ways, but I always play things down as well. So my life, yeah. even when it's burning in flames, there's still positives within it. You know, yeah. Someone's always still got it worse. Yeah. That's what my mum taught me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's... It's still a bit of an untold world. Do you ever think, like, I I definitely believe everything happens for a reason. To a certain degree. Do you think, potentially, being made redundant, then your surgery, then Z, do you think, and you being a disabled parent, do you think, do you think you're meant to be? Do you think you're meant to do something about it? Um, I don't know. I... I think like anything, it's given me a platform, it's given me a voice and it's given yeah. me a unique perspective or lens on the world. Yeah. And I think since I've had him, it has made me want to advocate more, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that in the right way to balance. Yeah. Like I took him completely off social media yeah. because I had not a massive following, but there's like two and a half thousand people. I don't necessarily know them. Mm-hmm. I don't want them seeing... You yeah. can see what they want of my life. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just my life anymore. Yeah. It's his life. Yeah. Um, that goes through my head a lot about her because I'm talking about Bella, sharing a lot about Bella, and she isn't, hasn't consented to any of this. But you do what you think with your yeah. best judgment. And yeah, yeah. I think having nephews that have come from adoption as well. Yeah. I'm seeing every day about how their parents are protecting them and safeguarding them. Um. And I also know, as I say before, people make weird comments about weird things. People have fetishes about disabilities and there's crazy people out there. I don't want my child... In the mix. In the mix of that. So I think I write a lot, but it's not like I used to have a blog and everything and I'd have people on the blog talking about their life. Um, And I've thought about doing something like this myself, but again, no one else necessarily doing them things so I find it hard to be like the not a baseline because there will be people out there but yeah. there's a lot of people that are chronically ill or disabled but they haven't got children and when I didn't have say oh, I'd have all the time in the world yeah. to make this content and you know yeah. I'd be like makeup artists put on creating the pain to make it visible on my body and, and yeah. taking these images and trying to like create a community and advocate like I want to be able to go into schools and have the conversations that like periods isn't a bad word like yeah. Yeah, you, know, you can say the word period and not feel ashamed about it. Yeah. hundred percent. It's bizarre, like, isn't it? It's absolutely weird. And I, th- I feel like the one thing I'm going to do, like I exist within a very male family. Yeah. There is me. And that is that. Yeah. But like bringing up Zay, like nothing like that is ever going to be off topic. Yeah. Like if you do go down the route where you are having girlfriends in the future, you better be supporting them. You better be going into Tesco, buying them whatever they yeah. need. Yeah. But Equally, that's the way Andy is, and there's yeah. never been like any sort of hesitation with anything like that. So very lucky there. But I think I did even set up an account up the other day, and I've got loads of writing. And I started writing, and there's one about grief, and there's one about yeah. this, that, and the other. And I read them to Andy, and he's just like, "Because I don't know how you write." And it's like, 
I think there has to be there has to be something yeah. positive that comes from this. I just feel like I'm still in the depths of motherhood in terms of there's not that much time where I'm not with Zion and Zion is very full on. Mm. So when you do have that time away from it, it's almost like a decompression. Like you just want to be able to switch off or more so have a bath. Like I could live in hot water. Like that is like something that helps my pain no end. And then even like I've been dismissed by um, two different physios in like four months because I'm too complex for them Mm -hmm. to deal with. So this has gone on since pre-COVID. People will just refer you here, refer you there. Not actually deal with it. But you're in the midst of of what? So it's like, how do you then help yourself? Because all I want to be is stronger for my child. For me as well, but predominantly (laughs) for him. And I do think something will come out of it, but it's like, you know, I have anxiety. Um, It's having the guts to do that. And before Zion, I did. I was like creating YouTube channels, sharing this, that and the other. And then I had them, I was like, but I think you, you you also like to strip away everything everything else that you've got going on. Just becoming a mum, you lose yourself anyway. 100%. So I completely understand what you're saying about... I had to go through a complete identity crisis to come out the other end to be able to say, fuck it, I'm going to do it about this podcast. And I remember literally pressing publish on the first one. It's a, ho- it's a horrible hands. feeling, isn't it? Yeah. But then you're also like, refresh, refresh. Yeah. Has anyone looked? Has anyone done this? And then I'm also, like, that is, it is the, honestly, it is my favourite thing in the world to do because it is, it's just amazing to sit and speak to other people and to hear. And have conversations that you wouldn't ordinarily. That people don't want to have, but then you actually get people in front of you and they really wanted to have these conversations. But yeah, it's... I, I completely get it. So, new mum, then everything else on top of you, then grief on top of you, you know. And then infertility comes back around again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do, I I think you're made for it. I think you've just got that about you. You, you just have for me. And I feel like you, you talk about something and it, it resonates and I, I obviously can't empathise with you, but... I completely understand everything that you're saying and it needs to change. Well, I think for so long as well, my vulnerability was like what I fear to be the worst thing about me because I, I do get, not like, yeah, well, I do get upset. I do. Um, but like, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I've yeah. always been that way. Yeah. So to try and fit into a world where, as much as people might disagree, women are seen and not necessarily heard in certain environments in the corporate world. It's still very much dog eat dog and a man's world. Yeah. If you mention anything about periods. Or struggling with or needing surgery in that area. I mean, I never even told anyone we were trying for, for a baby. I was like... Yeah. Oh. That's all... It's horrible. Yes. But I know, like, I'll never have to go through that again. Yeah. Ever. That's what I'm saying though, I feel like your purpose is it is more than than this, you know what I mean? It's definitely gone down a more holistic yeah. route since. So I do like a lot of online training because that's what I can do. My yeah. brain's not like injured by it, is it? So like yeah. holistic health coaches. Yeah. I've done me angelic Reiki training. Have you? Yeah. Nice. I can do Reiki on you. You can. I've done two different types of Reiki and um reflexology. Mm. So for me, 
right now I'm not in a place where I can go out and take on the world yeah. but I'm gonna get there and I'm gonna have to build myself up and whatever but everything that I've been through will probably play a, play a, play a part like yeah. I love Reiki I love having Reiki done on, on me and yeah. reflexology was like one of the things I was having before conceiving yeah. the baby so like I think these helped me on my journey yeah and with chronic pain as well like your foot anyone's foot and I'm not a foot person at all yeah. never thought that I was a trained in it but it can tell so much you can feel in the foot where something is not right from the body mm-hmm. because every your, your foot map, maps to your I body remember and your seeing organs. actually and a, a picture of a baby's foot and them sitting like in different areas of like where to massage like sinuses like and stuff constipated mm. or whatever it was yeah I remember with Bella I had horrific colic I was trying anything but I remember seeing that picture of foot and I remember seeing it thinking wonder one day one day yeah I've got all, all these screenshots yeah. I'll do I've it one 20, day thousand screenshots but people have, have felt my ends and everything through your feet my feet mm-hmm. wow. the last time I, I'd done it was like my birthday and someone said problems with your sciatic nerve it's like it's definitely the right size i was like it was both sides but i don't know sciatic nerve but the, the nerves and then yeah. you like you can't even like tell when you're off you're like weird fine art because there must be like certain yeah but i remember I, i've had my palm read a few times so i see an astrologer and him saying to me do you think you could be pregnant because there's a certain type of speckling in your palm and i was obviously no one knew but isn't that funny that even that, like a, a speckling in your palm. Yeah, crazy. I'd love to see a psychic. I was seen one a few years ago and everything was like... Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Frightening. She knew my mum's name. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But like, I feel like I've been feeling like a massive, well, becoming a parent. It's a massive like life transformation. Oh my So like, what's next? Yeah. Apart from more surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we've got one other closing tradition if you had to give one tip so Nat's top tip for new parents you could have done that a bit cheesier couldn't you Nat's top tip Nat's top tip for top uh, tip <laughs> top tips um, for yeah new parents or expecting parents what would your tip be just go with the flow I feel like you can read every baby book, you could listen to every podcast, <laughs> you could hypnobirth yourself into sleep. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everyone's different, everyone's unique. Your child is not necessarily going to be the same as someone else's. Because I think comparison is the thief of joy, isn't it? Oh my God, massively. So, oh, my child's sleeping through the night and this, that and the other. Great, amazing for you. But there's also other people that are absolutely in the depths of it. Yeah. Seeing them things and yeah. feeling like they failed in some part when you yeah. haven't. Yeah. Like, if you co-sleep until the child is seven, if that works for you and that makes your home life better and your child is safe, happy and secure and healthy, like, what difference yeah. does it make? Not do, you know, do you know what? Steve's auntie said to me about co-sleeping because I was like, because Bella was in her own room at like 12 weeks or something stupid like that because we were waking each other up. Yeah. And obviously, seeing how both working, I ain't got time for that. So she went in her own bedroom. She was a dream till about nine months. She went to nursery, sick constantly. Mm-hmm. Took her out of nursery, but she was that sick one time that I was frightened that I couldn't hear her yeah. with her chest. It was really bad. So put her in the bed with us. Game over. She Every night she'll go to sleep. She'll be put down in a cot. If 
fast asleep because I can't put her in a cot awake because it doesn't happen. No, no. She has to fall asleep on me. Yes. She then goes in a cot. And then sometimes it's midnight, sometimes it's 1am. Last night it was quarter past three. Wakes it's a good up, night. Wakes up, yeah. Shouts me, picks me up and she goes, take me in mummy and daddy's bed. So she goes into our bed. And also when Steve's on nights, I just put her straight in our bed because I'm not getting up and not yes. in and out. And I also want to be more comfortable that she's there. But Steve's auntie said to me, why would you put, if you think about it, why would you put the teeniest, tiniest person in the house, in their own room? Away from everyone like, when you sleep with your husband, yeah, and that or, makes you feel safe wife. and whatever. Yeah, and you you, you enjoy it's that. It's society again. <laughs> whatever way that it, it comes down to this, other societies don't do that. No. Like they would never ever leave the child. And I think there's nothing more. Don't get me wrong. When you first have a baby, yeah, especially breastfeeding, I was convinced that I'd fallen asleep on him holding him or feeding him he'd be in the the next to me crib sound asleep and I'd jolt and be like so many times I'm like the baby's gone the baby's gone where's the baby gone and he's like next to you in the coffee okay you're like you're running on nothing as well aren't you and as I say whatever works works and when you're in the thick of it at the end of the day, when, when, you, when you're getting that little sleep and every single night is interrupted yeah. numerous times, what works for you is all that matters, isn't it? Again, that goes with how you want to feed your baby, yeah. whether that's breast, bottle, whatever. A mixture of the two. A mixture, a combination. Yeah. How you want to raise your child, if you want to follow gentle parenting, conscious mm-hmm. parenting, no parenting. Well. I follow like, whatever gets me through the day and still yeah. still in one piece parenting. But do you not feel, I find that parenting has taught me so much about myself. Oh, oh my, I am a completely different human being in every single way. Like values, what I thought was important versus actually what is important. Uh, just, I can't even begin. I, feel, I literally feel like Amber's been reborn. Since Bella's been born, they, they teach yeah. they teach uh, they teach us so much. Yeah. That's probably what you couldn't prepare yourself for. Yeah, I said that to Andy before. Like, it just how can someone so little come in and just yeah. change things? And I think as well because we were saying about I often get ridiculed. I know you the same for speaking to bit Bella and Z like they're adults, mm-hmm. but I I even now like I I, I have to think about the context behind why I'm telling Bella something because she wants to know that. And I also think it's important that she does know that as well. But it's also you have to almost add an additional step in of like teaching them how to speak. Yeah. I mean, I don't live in a bilingual household at all, but yeah. that's how they do it. One parent will speak one language, the other parent will speak the other language. Yeah. And they will just be doing that every time the child interacts. Yeah. So again, why, why dumb it down yeah. for the child? Like, Zion's vocabulary in itself is sentences. Yeah. It is beyond it. It is beyond his age by years. Mm. But isn't that like a credit, like yeah. to him and to us that, like, yeah. you know, Absolutely. don't get me wrong. I'll still every now and again be like, oh my little baby. But yeah, it just it, it works. And as soon as he started saying words, I think that's the point where I stopped being goo goo gaga blah 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 blah. Yeah. That's also just. So mad, I actually looked back, back, looked back at a video and I remember thinking, she was like 18 months now, and I remember like, I don't actually remember her ever not talking. Yeah. And then to see a video of her making the sounds of the words in the sentences that she now makes, it was just 
it was mad to actually think at the time that yeah. that was what was happening. Zion um, knows bedtime books off by heart. And it looks as if he's reading the book. But he's just like saying it off by like Just reels it off. That's one thing we don't do enough of. That's, 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 that's one thing I'd say. The pages itself, and then we get into a bit of a fight. I've always like, and I will always push with them, is books and reading. Yeah. So but you are a reader, writer, guru. I'm dyslexic yeah. with an English degree, so I've always struggled throughout school with certain aspects. Yeah. And that was always underplayed. Um, That's bad. a bit of a theme here now. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. So call me the underdog. I'll always have to. Yeah. So I don't think even my A-level results, I was not predicted to get where I got. Yeah. And then I come out and I was like... <laughs> Up yours. Up yours. Um, and then diagnose about at university because yeah. you had to pay. And school weren't going to pay. But honestly, there's so many kids who come to me. Well, used to come to me. I don't do anymore. But uh, 16 plus where they can get um, tested and it comes to light. And it changes their entire life because their education to that point has been horrendous. And they just I think as well with girls, it's almost like ADHD. Yeah. Where people can mask symptoms. Or it's different, isn't it? So because I was classed as being more clever and I was in top sets of things that was never questioned it was yeah. more I was being lazy yeah. so I was 18 and I was our head teacher for English and he'd write a word out in red ink and tell me to like write it out five times at the bottom of the page and I was like 18 yeah so I was like do you think I might be dyslexic he's like yeah I do crazy but because I've got even better grades had the diagnosed me because they can't then penalise you um, so to an English degree it didn't matter where I could spell or not they couldn't no. couldn't no. penalise me no well to be fair this has nothing to do with parenting but when when you're marking work sort of further in higher education you just have to comment on spelling punctuation and grammar you cannot take that into consideration at all I don't, I don't think they could even comment <laughs> no yeah. for the first yeah. time I did the, the exam I had to um, it was handwritten somewhere in like a science room with all these different students doing different yeah. things and then from then on it was on the computer so like uh, I can type all day it doesn't give Crack. you um, the, the carpal yeah carpal what's it called carpal, carpal syndrome thank you thank you for being bloody wonderful Scary. and I'm sure enough people say it but you are unbelievable thank you and you're amazing and I admire you so much and you not be but uh, genuinely, honestly, little hero of mine. Thank okay. you for coming on. It's you been a long time coming. You can have me um, back. Hopefully going to get surgery. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go private again at the end of the year and try and get surgery at some point next year. Um, Because we've been trying to have a baby and it's not happening. So okay. um, I think in my eyes, we followed the route that we've always known. Yeah. And also, I think... Because I've been so concentrated on fertility, there were things that I brought up in the last surgery that hadn't been addressed. And I'm now oh, right, okay. three years down the line yeah. where mm, things are getting a bit worse. So okay. um, we're going to try after surgery, I think, but I'd never go down. I never want fertility treatment. So if we have surgery and we have three months and we don't get pregnant, then that will be it. It could happen in the future yeah. naturally by itself, but... I would can't. you have would you think before obviously before Z was conceived you were thinking about fostering would you do that now that you've got Z or not um I think I'd rather he be a little bit older, older. 
um, maybe more of school age to do it. I mean, we'd always be open to adoption as well. It was more we were looking at fostering because Andy was working away at that time and I could be seen as the sole parent type thing in that situation. But equally, there's Andy is more than happy to live the life that we have now. Yeah. Um, like, I think he realises the pressure that comes with things. And, and I'm not saying it feels infertility is like in any way associated with the woman, but it is the woman that's having to go through it every absolutely. month. It is the woman that's having to do the testing, is getting crippled it's by the period. It's an absolute even if you just, just trying for a baby and thinking about the process. So he'll be like, no, no, no pressure, like this, yeah. that, and the other. But like, I don't know, I feel like I look at people and they're pregnant and it's like, am I making them pregnant by looking at them? Is it just me? I need to look at myself. But I always said I couldn't go down IVF because, or like a fertility thing, because I feel like I'm that disappointed when the period comes that that like kind of crushes my soul. That if I'm, I'd be investing even more into it and put on so much more pressure on myself that if it's meant to happen, it's happen. It'll happen. And like the way you said before, to believe things happen for a reason. I said, not really. But yeah. I do believe he was sent yeah. from whatever, from my mum. He was like yeah. the person that was meant to like heal my little heart. And he is. And he, in doing so, he's healing my dad as well. Yeah, I was going to say, and your dad. Yeah. At the exact right time that he needed it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. But thank you again. Thank you for having me. Love you loads. Love you loads too.